How many people went through that this morning on their way here? My wife picks out most of my clothes online, so luckily I don't have to do that. But today we're going to do something, and, and as like a speaker and someone who gets up, there's something I vowed that I would never ever do as like a, a, a preacher, is have people say things with me, because I find that incredibly awkward, but I'm breaking my one rule as a speaker. I know I should have more than one rule, but that's my one rule. So today we're going to actually say this together. So I would love you to join with me, okay? Me and my big mouth. Right? Let's say it one more time. Me and my big mouth. I want you to do that because this is not about your husband's big mouth. It's not about your wife's big mouth. I know none of our wives have big mouths. But it's not about your teenage uh, son or daughter's big mouth. It's not about that favorite coworker of yours that's got the big mouth. It's not about any of those people. It's about you. It's about me and my big mouth. So now that we have that, don't be like elbowing your spouse or your son or your daughter while they're here this morning. This is about you. This is about me. All right? So the second thing I want to do is, is talk about, because our, our mouths, they get us into trouble, don't they? They, they kind of, you ever said something and you're like, I really wish I didn't say that. Like as soon as that came out of my mouth, I thought, yikes, why did I even say that? Or that totally did not come out how I meant it to come out. And so this past week, my wife was at the ladies' uh, small group on uh, Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. here at the church. A little plug for that. But she was at the, the small group, and she's talking to a, a young lady who attends our church, and uh, they're getting to know each other, and, and Gretchen drops, like, you had to break the news to her, and she said, yeah, my husband's Brian. He's the one with the beard. And she goes, oh, that's funny. My first experience with Brian. Okay, this is her first interaction with me. I, she was getting coffee up back, and I'm talking to a, a, another person, I'm talking to a friend, and she overhears me say, you know, I think about you every time I get in the shower. And I was not talking to my wife. I was talking to Anthony, actually, at the time, because he helped me tile my bathroom, okay? Like, my shower needed to be tiled. And so I was like, hey, you know, I think of you every time I get in there. And so I immediately saw her kind of look over at me, and I was like, that does not mean what you think it does. But our mouths can get us into some weird situations, can't they? And so if this is your first time with us, and, and maybe it might be your last time with us, I don't know. It depends on how well this message goes. But uh, if you aren't here for the next three weeks, I just want to give you a little synopsis. This whole thing can be summed up in, in just a few words, okay? It's this, quick to listen and slow to speak. That's what this whole series is going to be about. Quick to listen, slow to speak. So now you don't have to come back next week because you've got it all now. But quick to listen, slow to speak. So I'm going to break my rule one more time. I'm going to have you actually say this with me. But as we say it, I want everyone to kind of clench your fists a little bit. Just do this. And then when you say the word listen, just open them up. Okay? You don't have to be like all crazy about it. But just say like quick to listen and slow to speak. All right. So you do it with me. Quick to listen and slow to speak, all right? So I'm usually the funny one. I'm not the weird one that gets you to do the stuff like this. But the whole reason we're doing this is because a lot of times when we have conversations with people, or maybe you have a, a conflict with somebody, someone close to you, maybe someone who's not close to you, we tend to kind of tense up a little bit. And we tend to, to kind of like clench our fists, maybe not outright, because that'd be weird if you're talking to somebody like this. But we tend to clench like our hearts starts to close off, our ears, our hearts maybe, our minds. And we tend to kind of tense up a little bit when we have these conversations with people. And so I want to kind of change our mindset on that so that we can be quick to listen, quick to open 
our hands, open our minds, open our ears to what this person has to say. And ultimately, because both parties, we really want the same thing, don't we? Like both sides of any discussion or any conflict, we both want the same thing. We both want to be heard. Really, that's, that's the, the root of it. We, all, we both want to be heard. We, we want to know that the person heard the words that are coming out of our mouth. But even more than that, not just being heard, we want to be understood. We want the person to be quick to listen to us, right? And slow to speak. We want them to be quick to listen and slow to speak. And we want to speak quickly because we want them to listen quickly. And it's hard sometimes when we have those conversations with people. Because we want to be heard. We want to be understood. It's like, look, we might never agree. Like, we might never agree on how we parent our kids. We might never agree, you know, on question one on the ballot. We might never agree on who we vote for. We might never agree, like, which direction this work project needs to go in. We might never agree that, you know, New England's the best sports area in the country. We might never agree on that. But I just need you to listen to me. I just need you to hear me. I need you to understand what I'm saying. And then we can be all right. Like, if you just understand me, I think we'll be fine. I need to know that you've heard the words coming out of my mouth. So just just give me a nod. Maybe give me a grunt, like something to let me know that you have heard me. And if you have to say something, like if you have to actually respond to the words that I'm saying, can you just like give me a a nod that just says "You, you, you understood me? You got it. Quick to listen and slow to speak. It sounds so easy. It's a simple phrase, but I think it's got potential to really change the direction of our lives, of every person in this room. It has the the opportunity to change the relationships, maybe with the people you're sitting next to, people you come in contact with. It's got the opportunity to open doors in relationships you never knew were even possible to make them deeper relationships. And you're probably starting to think like about a few certain people, right? Like you might not have this problem, but you might be thinking about certain people that I just wish they were a little more quick to listen. Or I wish they would just be a lot slower to speak. And I think my life would be a little better. Maybe my husband needs to be a little bit quicker to listen. Or those people, you know, they, they blast this stuff out on Facebook and they want you to know their beliefs and they're just pounding on the keyboard and then they say like, blah, blah, blah. And I don't want any comments on that, right? Like, don't try to debate with me. Well, then don't post it because I'm going to fire back at you, right? Like, and so we want people to just listen to us, to just listen to us. And so if you're kind of new to the church world, if you're new and you maybe you haven't been for a long time, you might think I'm pretty smart for coming up with this, but I plagiarized it. That's not my saying. I, I stole it from a man, his name's James, and it's not Jim Finari, our lead pastor. I got this from a guy named James who wrote a book in the Bible. And you might not know this about James, but if you've been with us for the last 12 weeks, we went through this whole journey through the life of Jesus. But James is actually Jesus's younger brother, okay, or yeah. So, he, so James is Jesus' brother, okay? 
And so that should just blow your mind right there. And so if you read the New Testament in the story of Jesus, you don't hear about James. Like you don't hear like, yeah, James was following Jesus along and he was kind of like his hype man. You don't hear about James in that context at all because James didn't really believe Jesus was who he said he was. Like a lot of people will talk about Jesus and, and they'll say Jesus was either exactly who he said he was or he was like a raging lunatic and a liar to actually believe all this stuff and be willing to give his, his life up for, for a lie. If that's the, so he had to be one of those two things. I think James thought his brother was a little bit on the lunatic side for the longest time until he stood there and he saw his brother crucified with his mom and then ate breakfast with his brother three days later on the beach. So we, we like to say, like, if a guy, you know, says he's going to raise from the dead and does it, you tend to believe whatever he says. And so you've got to think, like, what would your brother or sister have to do to get you to believe that they're the son of God? Like, they've got to do something pretty crazy. So this is the James that we're talking about, the, the, the brother of Jesus. And so after Jesus rises from the dead, after the resurrection... James kind of goes on to lead the church, and he begins leading the church in Jerusalem specifically. And so as he's the lead there, so about 30 years go by, and he's really pushing this church, and he's doing everything. He's like, you know, playing the drums, and he's, you know, leading the, the worship, and he's like speaking every week. He's, he's doing what they did because they did church exactly like we do it back then. I don't know if you knew that, but they did. And so that was James. He's kind of like heading this whole thing up. And there was a man named Ananias, or Ananias, and it's a very difficult name to say, but he's the high priest at the time, okay? And so he's not a big fan of James. He doesn't like him. He doesn't like his beliefs. He doesn't believe that Jesus rose from the dead. He doesn't believe that. He believes that Jesus just died, and that was it. And so Ananias, he was a Sadducee, and what Sadducees believe, which it's really sad, you see, because they believe... <laughs> That's a Bible joke for you. That's a good one. You might have missed it. But he's a Sadducee because they don't believe that heaven is like a thing. They believe you live and then you die and then you become fertilizer. That's what Sadducees believe. And they believed that you live a good life for the glory of God, but it ends there. So he kind of butts heads with James, and so he doesn't like him. And so the, the governor of Judea at the time... His name was Festus, which is a pretty sweet name, right? Festus. So Festus is the governor, and unfortunately, he dies. So he dies, and now there's kind of this loophole for Ananus where there's no one that's really a lead over him. So he takes this opportunity to try to have um, James uh, brought to trial. So he brings James to trial. They convict him of, like, you know, defiling the temple and violating Jewish law and all these things, and they have him stoned, okay, like, that, that's not like stoned like you and I know stoned, okay? This is like throwing rocks at somebody. And so that's probably one of the top three worst ways to die. And so he has James stoned, so he's killed, and it's, it's just it's terrible. And so all these people, they're mourning that, they're sad about it, and then the new governor comes in place, and his name is Albinus, okay? So he's the new governor. He finds out what the high priest did, and he's, he's not happy about it. Because as you remember from Jesus' story, the Jewish leaders, they can't put anyone to death. They can't execute somebody. They had to take Jesus to Pilate because he's the Roman authority. Like That's where that kind of law has to be handed down from. So what um, Ananias did was against the rules. So he removes, uh, Albinus removes Ananias from his post, but it's a little too late. 
for James. It's a little too late for him. And the whole reason I bring this all up is because James was known as a good man. He was known as a just man. His actual nickname was James the Just, okay? Because people thought he had integrity. They, they were relationally strong with him. And he died because of jealousy and because of his beliefs. But before James died, he left behind a book that we're going to look at a little bit this morning. And I believe that he has some amazing things to say about relationships and how we can maybe become better at our relationships. And so the first thing he says this in his book, in James chapter 1, verse 19, it says, My dear brothers... My dear brothers and sisters, and this right here is huge. If you're a woman here today, in the first century like this, women had no rights. Like you, you were married off by your father to whoever he thought would get him the most bang for the buck. You didn't have any rights. So the fact that James you know, carries on this belief that Jesus had that all people are created equal, that all people deserve eternal life, is just amazing. So this is huge. He says, my dear brothers and sisters, equals, both of you, take note of this. Okay, like, like sit up straight. You got to know this. Take note of this. This is very important. Listen up, he says. Everyone, everyone, brothers, sisters, everybody, not just like certain people, but everyone should be quick to listen. Quick to listen. And you're like, James, like I've got two ears. I can listen pretty well. Like, Listening is one of my favorite hobbies. I listen to music all the time. Like, that's what I do. I know how to listen, but this whole listening quickly thing is a little weird. Like, how do you speed up your listening? I'm actually like a little delayed. When my wife says something to me, I tend to say, what? And then as soon as I say what, I re- I, it's like I heard what she said, and then she I was already repeating herself, and it annoys her. But I read an article at Science that there is a delay there sometimes for men when we hear our wise voices. So, but he's, he's not talking about that kind of quickness. He's not talking about speeding up your ability to hear. But I think what James is saying is that listening should be your first priority. It should be the number one thing you do. When you're in conversation, when you're in a conflict with somebody, if you're in, in a debate maybe, the first thing that you should be quick to do, the first step should be to listen. Get your listening ears on, right? Like our teachers taught us that. Put your listening cap on and listen. Be quick at it. It's your number one priority. And that whole like do unto others as you would have them do unto you, that's, that's what this is. Listen to others if you want them to listen to you. But first, you need to earn the opportunity to speak to them. So listen. Be quick to do it. Jump at that opportunity. But he doesn't stop there. And I don't think we're supposed to stop at listening either. Like, there's not, a, 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 I'm not telling you just, to just be a listener and you don't engage with people. You don't have any belief system or just be a doormat. But I'm saying pay your dues first. And he goes right on. He says, and be slow to speak. Slow to speak. So you got to listen quick and you have to speak slowly. Have you ever talked to a slow talker? Like someone who just... They take a long time. It's painful, right? Like sometimes you're like, you got to get to the end of the story, bud. Like, and sometimes my son, when he tells me stories about weird rubles and things he finds in Minecraft, I'm just like pulling my ears out to be like, you, you got to finish the story. Like, I don't know where this ends, but it is taking you an eternity. I think he's not talking about that kind of slowness here either. I think what he means is to be late. Take your time. Take your time before you speak. Be late. Here's, here's kind of a good way to be, wait and be late. That's a good way to put it. 
Wait for the right time so that when you do speak, you're speaking the right words. That you've actually taken some time and taken some thought behind what you're actually saying. So, so when you need to push back and you're feeling like, oh, they just said that one thing that's just going to light me up. And you're chomping at the bit to get your point across where you need to get your two cents in. Just wait. Wait and be late. And maybe you can contribute like a $10 thought instead of a two cent thought. Right. Like my I had teachers that said, like, this is a twenty dollar word, like these big words. But wait until you can actually contribute something that's going to be worthwhile to the conversation. Something that I've been working on over the past couple weeks is just asking questions. Like if someone says something to me and and I'm kind of like, huh, I like. So tell me more about that. It drives people nuts. Like when you say like, oh, I, I don't quite understand that. Like, give me give me a little bit more. Be curious. Be curious like a cat, right? Like just, just creep around things and be like, so just, just fill me in a little bit on that. Like, what are you talking about there? And it might sound crazy, you know, like maybe the person you're having a conflict with is one of those people that just, they never shut up. And, and once they finally do, if you take the one opportunity, you have the slide in there and to just ask a question that's going to lead them down another rabbit hole. Like that sounds crazy, I know. But when you ask questions, but when you do this and you ask questions, you begin to learn and you begin to understand where they're coming from and you begin to form a better opinion that's more based on their point of view. And you know more about their story, maybe. Maybe there's a reason that they believe what they do. And you can find that out. And guess what? When you're, when you're quick to listen and you're slow to speak, when you ask questions, when you begin to learn more about why they do that or why they believe that, when you speak, then you're going to actually be heard. And more than that, you're going to be a lot smarter in your response. You're going to look like you know what's going on, what you have to talk about. So be curious. Don't make assumptions. Be curious. And here's the thing, if, if you're like a kid here today or you're like a middle school or high school age kid, ask your parents questions. Okay, wait a couple weeks so they forget about everything I've said this morning, but then ask them questions and it'll freak them right out. Like just, just lean into when, instead of when they ask you questions, be like, yeah, why? Why? Like, Jude, it's time for bed. Why? But ask a question, be like, so what makes you think that eight o'clock is the best bedtime for me? Like, how freaked out would you be if your kid just starts asking these questions? Because I'll tell you, I'll give you a little secret. I'm a dad. I don't know what I'm doing half the time. I make decisions, and then I, me and Gretchen, after we put the kids to bed, I'm like, I don't even know why I said that. <laughs> like, that came out of nowhere. I don't really know what I'm doing a lot of the time. I make a lot of it up as I go. And so if you ask questions, you're going to really challenge me as a parent. And so just try to lean into that. Be curious. Say, Dad, like, I know you've said that, but can you tell me maybe a little bit more about, like, how you did that? a little bit more about why you've done that. So parents, you're welcome for that. Like, there you go. But a couple weeks ago, um, me and my wife, I was putting, we have a bedtime routine. I was putting Jude to bed and, and he's got a loft bed. So I'm climbed up there. We're reading his book and, and then I'm getting down and he says something. I can't even remember exactly what he said, but he said something about babies and how they're born. And so I was like, oh gosh, like, <laughs> Here, this is it. So we've been talking for like a year, really psyching myself up for the talk, right? And so finally, I was just like, let's do it. So I hopped up in the bed, and I explained it all to him. And uh, it was interesting, and, and praise God, he was not curious. And so he wanted me to get to the end of that talk as quickly as I wanted to get 
to the end of that talk. So sometimes it's good not to be curious. I don't know. But we were okay with just understanding each other and, and not leaning into that conversation anymore for the time being. But you know what this whole process is? Like, we, we, it sounds so mythical and, and, and weird, but it's just a conversation, right? It's just a conversation. And in our current culture, conversations, they almost seem to be a thing of the past, don't they? Like, we have such few real face-to-face interactions with people. And I think a big part of that is because we're all cyber bullies, right? Like we put on this front when we're online and we're just like pounding people and we say things and then comments that you make, like I see them because Facebook's weird and, and you see comments on things that I don't even comment on. And so we're just like, we get to know like the other side of people. And then we start to shut down. We think like, oh, that, I don't know if I want to get to know that person. So we have such few real conversations and we push friends away. We push people away because of the way that we act, not even in a face-to-face conversation, but in our pursuit to always be right, to be right, right, I'm right, I'm right, I'm right. We lose sight of what matters most, and that's the person that you're trying to be right at, the people. And so everyone, everybody should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. This is something that I say to my son. I spent probably six months every night before bed saying, Jude, we really got to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. And we would pray that because he was very quick to become angry in a lot of situations. And we would just pray through this. Now, obviously, no one in this room gets angry. I know. Like, everyone is just cool as a cucumber in this room. We're all good, even-keeled people. But, but anger takes a, a different feel in this. And I don't think it's, it's like anger, like raging anger. But I think it's drawing hasty, misinformed, relationally destructive conclusions. Think about that. Hasty, misinformed, that's when you don't li- aren't quick to listen. You make hasty, misinformed, relationally destructive conclusions. And this type of anger, like it res- it's, it's kind of a result, but I also believe it's a decision. It's a result in the way that we handle the conversation and how we're processing through that. And when we aren't quick to listen and, and we draw hasty conclusions and we say things that they've never said in the first place and we draw these conclusions about them and we go in both guns blazing, ready to just take down people and we don't tend to listen and then we draw this and then we get angry and then they get angry, and then no one's right at that point. No, nothing happens. It becomes destructive. And the best way to mitigate anger, I think, is being quick to listen. Because we all kind of process anger differently. Like, I'm, a, I'm a, like an internal anger type of person. If you offend me or you make me mad, you probably won't know about it. I'll have a, like a really strong conversation with you and yell at you in the personality of my own car on my ride to work some morning while I'm alone, but you'll get it, believe me. And, but you'll probably never hear about it. And then after that, I'm done. Like, we're good. We're buds again. But some people, they don't internalize it like that. They kind of blow up. But either way, it can be destructive to our relationships. No matter how you go about that, it can be destructive to your relationships. And the formula looks a little bit like this, is that the longer you listen... The longer you listen, the more you'll learn, and then the less angry that you're going to be. Think about that. The longer you listen, okay, the more information, the more intel you get, the more you're going to learn, and then the less angry that you'll probably be because you're going to actually understand 
where they're coming from. And here's why I believe this, this works. This is like when, when I, I was thinking about this and I, and I read this, this like really blew my mind. And so it's pretty deep. So if you have a pencil, you're going to want to write this down. But this is crazy. It says this, everything everyone does makes sense to them. It sounds so basic. But think about that. Everything everyone does makes total sense to them. That's scary, right? But, but not just that. Everything everyone says makes sense to them. There's things that I say, and my wife just looks at me, and she's like, what are you even saying? And I'm like, that doesn't make any sense to you? Like, it makes perfect sense to me. But everything everyone says, they, like, they believe it. It makes perfect sense to them, right? That's why they said it. That's why they stood by it. And this last one at Journey, this is kind of like one of our pillars. This is like why we do church the way that we do. This is why when you walk in those doors, there's a big sign that says, welcome home. This is why I promise you that you will never be judged when you come to one of our services at Journey Church. So invite your friends, tell them about Journey Church, is that we believe that everything everyone believes makes sense to them. So we don't judge people for their belief. We might not agree with it, but we know that they believe it and it makes sense to them. They believe it for a reason. There might be a story behind that. There might be an experience that led them to that belief. And the connection to this, our response to, to all of these things tends to be, I just, I don't know why they say that. I don't know why they would believe that. I don't know why they do that, right? Like, I don't, I don't understand why they would ever believe that way. And oftentimes we just stop there, right? We just wonder, we don't understand it, we criticize them, we don't seek to understand it, we just pass them off like, that's that nut job, like he always says those things and I don't, I don't even understand it, but they just do that stuff and, and we don't really understand why a person says the things they do, why they believe the things they do. But in this situation, okay, when you come across that, who needs the education lesson? Who needs to, to figure that all out? I'll give you a hint. I don't know. I don't know why they say that. So I'm the one that needs to understand why do they do that? Why do they say that? Why do they believe that? And the only way that that's going to happen is if we're quick to listen, if we're quick to lean into them. So the next time your wife, she does that thing that really has no, makes no sense to you, why you load the dishwasher a certain way, and she comes in after you and she just flips it all around, and to fit one extra cup in, I don't know, but just lean into that, okay? Know that she does it for a reason. When your husband does whatever he does, and we do some weird stuff, guys, when your husband does some weird things, just know that it makes perfect sense to him. It makes perfect sense to him. So lean into that. Get some understanding in it, because we should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to let ourselves get angry based off misinformed assumptions, a man named Stephen Covey, he wrote a book called The, the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And uh, he's a Mormon, and so he's read the New Testament because they, they read that. But, but, um, and maybe he doesn't take out of it exactly what we do, but he wrote this book about seven highly effective people. And, and it's like a, like a phenomenal book. It's got amazing principles in it. Many of you have probably read it at some point in life, and I sadly have not read it. I've read the Cliff Notes, which means I looked it up on Wikipedia, and I saw what each habit is. And so habit number five, though, is seek first to understand and then to be understood. 
Seek first to understand. Does this sound familiar? Seek first to understand. Be quick to listen and then to be understood. He says this, use empathetic listening to genuinely understand a person. This isn't a ploy. It sounds like a, like a little foolproof plan to get people to believe you, but it's to genuinely understand a person, which compels them to reciprocate the listening and to take an open mind to being influenced by you. This creates an atmosphere of caring and positive problem solving. A conversation involves two people, right? Otherwise, it's not a conversation. And when we listen to reply rather than to understand, we don't learn anything. You're just waiting to get your words in. And if you're not learning anything, it's going to be hard to develop that relationship and to grow in understanding and to better your time with each other. Because our frame of reference, like our life experience, the things that we've gone through in life, the decisions that we've made, those impact our filter. And I'm 35. I've lived in Maine pretty much my whole life. About a mile down the road for a good chunk of it and a few miles down the road the other chunk. Or I've lived in New Brunswick, Canada, which is basically northern Maine. So, and, and as I've figured out when I went on that conference that Maine's a little bit behind the times, right? And so we, our, our influence and our, our experiences are different than a lot of people. And it takes time and understanding and listening to know that I don't know everything. I haven't seen everything. I think I'm pretty young, and then I look in the mirror, and I'm maybe getting a little older, and I go to a conference, and, and there's all these hipsters around, and, and people call me a hipster, but they haven't been to Georgia yet because there's way more hipsters down there that make me look like an old man. And so, but we need to get curious. Lean into things. <coughs> don't criticize something that you don't understand. That's a principle we should all live by. Don't criticize something you don't understand. Be lifelong learners. Be a person that listens more than they speak. And and so this is pretty good content so far. Like, I think we could all leave today and be like, you know, I I think Brian made a good point. I think we could leave. But unfortunately, this or fortunately, this isn't just a self-help group. So there is a God component to this. And so I think that James, he's, he's kind of, he's going to pull this in for us and he's going to bring this back to God and what he's done. So everyone should be quick to listen. Every person, quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry <clears throat> because human anger, because human anger, the reaction that comes when I don't get my way, when someone's not listening to me and I don't, I don't get to, to blast them like I want to, when, when they're saying things that I don't agree with and they just won't listen to me, <clears throat> because our human anger, it doesn't produce the righteousness that God desires. That moment when we kind of unleash and we let our pursuit for rightness get the best of us, it doesn't, pursue, it doesn't produce the righteousness that God desires. Because when you're in a conversation with someone, there's really three agendas at work there, I believe. There's three agendas. There's one, you're trying to be right, and you're trying to convince that other person, like that's your agenda, is to convince them that you're right in the situation. And then the other person, their agenda, believe it or not, is to convince you that they're right. So you have two conflicting agendas, but then there's a third agenda that I believe is God's agenda. And God's agenda is not for us to be right. 
my anger, me not getting my way, me trying to convince you and convict you and control you through persuasion and try to produce the results and the righteousness or, or the rightness. That's really what righteousness is, is, is rightness that God desires. But when I pursue my own rightness, it sounds like this, like, I know that I'm right. I want you to know that I'm right. And I want everybody to know that I'm right. Like, that's, that's our agenda. And James says, he suggests to us, that's not the, the agenda that God has. That's not the right rightness. You just want to be right at one another, but God wants you to be right with one another. Huge difference. Totally different. One values the other person more than themselves. Have you ever like, been in an argument with somebody and things start to get a little out of control, maybe a little heated, your tempers kind of flare a little bit <coughs> with your wife or, or somebody, and then you finally wear them down and they admit, like, you're right, you win, you win the argument, and then like confetti falls from the ceiling, and you're like, yes, I knew I was right all along, thank you for realizing it. And then your wife comes up to you or your husband, they're like, yes, you're so right, you beat me. Congratulations. Like, it doesn't go that way, does it? <clears throat> Sometimes when you win, when you're right, you really lose. Like in marriage, no one wins in an argument, right? Like no one wins in that. Your marriage doesn't win in an argument. If the two of you aren't right, then it doesn't matter who's right. If the two of you walk away and your relationship is strained or it's broken, it doesn't really matter who was right in the first place. James goes on, he says, therefore, okay, now that we know the right rightness that God desires of us, now that we know like how to go about this whole thing, now that we understand that, therefore get rid of all moral filth. And so we immediately jump on that moral filth because as Christians, right, like we're the moral authority of the world and we know how everyone needs to live, right? But I don't think James is talking about that. I think he's narrowing it down. See, get rid of, and, and the Greek word for this, I can't pronounce it, but it essentially means to like shed, to take off like a coat. So like take off your hat, you're, you're taking it off, you're getting rid of it, you're removing it from you. So get rid of all moral Filth. And what I think he's talking about is self-rightness. Your pursuit to always be right. Your pursuit to enter an argument, even if you, there's a shed of doubt that you think you might not be right, but you don't lose debate, so you're going to be right. And so I think that's what he's talking about, to get rid of that. Just get rid of that moral filth because that's really an issue. Like if you're only concerned about being right and proving other people wrong, I think that's a moral issue. And I think James is calling us to shed that. And he, he moves on, he says, and the evil. So get rid of the moral filth and all the evil that's so prevalent. And I think in, in evil, he's talking about, you know, the desire to harm. Maybe not physically, but, but notice that most physical altercations, whether it's between friends, uh, coworkers, spouses, it starts with a conversation, you can usually draw back to a certain conversation where things escalated and they turned bad. But evil, a desire to harm or get back at somebody, belittling them for their way of thinking, for their beliefs, the things they say. And when it dawns upon us, and I hope that it will dawn upon us, but when we, it dawns upon us, but when we realize I'm trying to convince somebody, I'm trying to control their thoughts, I'm trying to just win just to be right, James is asking us to, to take it off to shed it, to shut it down. 
to put an end to it. Because all of this, what's the opposite of this? Humility. And he goes on, he says, and humbly. So take all of this stuff off. He says, and humbly accept the word planted within you. Humble is something that we haven't talked about yet, but it's really the glue that kind of sticks this whole thing together. It's the glue that holds it. Humility says that we are more important than me. It's us being in right relationship with each other. It's, it's us is more important than the we. Accept the word that was planted in you. And he's talking to Christians. That's why he says brothers and sisters. He's talking about his fellow Christians. And he says to them, you know, this is what the gospel is. This is Jesus gave himself up for you so that you can give yourself up for others. Do unto others. Because Jesus didn't come to earth to be right. And if he did, it wouldn't have taken 30 years for him to get there. Like he would have just shown up. I'm right. And then he would have gone on his merry way. I don't think he would have needed to follow the, the process that he did. And it says in all of this together, all of this will save you. Which can save you. And this isn't eternal life kind of saving. This isn't like life in the afterlife saving. We're talking about <clears throat> saving your marriage. Maybe saving your relationships with your son or your daughter. Maybe saving that relationship with your coworker. Or going to prison maybe. Maybe it's saving you from saying something that you're going to regret for the rest of your life. So brothers and sisters, he says... And we'll read it all from the top. My brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen. Everyone should be slow to speak. And everyone should be slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness, the rightness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth, all the evil that's so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Don't settle for being right. Settle for making things right. Keep things right with one another. So be quick to listen. And the last thing before we close, I know it's time, but if you are kind of new to this Christianity thing, or maybe you showed up this morning and, and you're just not really sure where you stand with Jesus, and you're not really sure where you stand with Christianity, and maybe you had a lot of questions when you came in, and I probably didn't answer any of them, I just want you to know this one thing, that God, your heavenly Father, he sent Jesus to do exactly this. He sent Jesus, and, and when Jesus showed up, he didn't show up as one with a great speaking voice. He showed up as one who was speechless, who couldn't talk, who didn't say a word. He showed up as a baby. And for 30 years, okay, the Bible doesn't pick up Jesus' like, ministry because for the first 30 years of Jesus' life, this is what's so amazing by this story. You can't make this up. Like, Why would you tell his story this way if it was made up? He showed up as a baby, and he lived a life where he saw hardship. He saw depression. He saw death. He experienced death. He did funerals. He saw all the things that you and I will go through on a daily basis, and everything that you will go through or have gone through, he saw it during those 30 years of his life. He was quick to listen. And then when 30 years or so went by, when Jesus finally began to spoke, it said that people flocked to him. In the Gospels, it says people raved about his teaching and they flocked to him, not because he was a great speaker, but because it says that they flocked to him because he didn't teach like the teachers. He didn't condemn like the teachers. He spoke as someone who understood them, who understood them. 
who had a different kind of authority, not one of condemnation, but he understood them. And the people who were nothing like Jesus, who wanted nothing to do with the religious figures of that day, people who were nothing like Jesus, liked him. And you know why? Because they felt that he liked them. And he invited them to follow him, and it changed their lives. And that same invitation, it stands today, it stands for me, it stands for you, it stands for everyone for all brothers, all sisters, for everyone. And that invitation stands today. So follow him. Be quick to listen. Be slow to speak if you even have to. Let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you for just this opportunity to come. And I pray, God, for the conversations that will be had this week, that we will be quick to listen, that we will lean into conversations, that we won't shy away from difficult conversations or difficult circumstances and and belief systems and why people do the things that they do, but we will lean into that, God, to find understanding in it. I pray that you help us with this because this is something that, frankly, we can't do all on our own, God. I pray that if anyone in this room doesn't know you, Jesus, that they will begin a life of pursuit after you, to find you, Jesus, as we're all invited to do. Pray that you bring every person back next week. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen.